turn together now to 1 Peter and chapter 5, and reading at verse 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, and reading at verse 5. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. And so on. Now, as we draw to the close of, of this letter, uh, we have followed the message of Peter to this people who were scattered uh, across the world and to as the people of God were suffering because of their faith. They lived in a culture that was uh, against the gospel and against uh, the very message of, of Jesus and the kingdom of God. They lived in a society where there was no sympathy uh, for the gospel and because of that they were being discouraged and uh, raising questions in their own minds about their faith and about the genuineness of the relationship with the Lord Jesus as their saviour. And after Peter has established them and placed their experience in, in the salvation that God has worked in their lives, having done that, we have seen the way in which Peter oscillates between looking at the way in which they are to respond to the suffering that they're enduring from the world and looking at the way in which they are to organise and arrange themselves in order to stand together against that opposition and that kind of suffering. And we saw last week from the first four verses of, the, of this chapter that there is security and survival for the people of God when the elders are fulfilling their duty in looking after the sheep. But I want to see today that there is present suffering and the role of the people of God. And I want to notice, first of all, that here we have a responsibility. Likewise, you who are younger. And Peter is not referring to those who are children. He is not referring to, to those who are young in the faith. When we read the New Testament and see the way in which the word younger is used, it refers to young men, it refers to young women, it refers to young people. It's the kind of word that's used in different places to refer to the people of God. And in this book itself, we see the way in which, in chapter 2, Peter speaks about the way in which those who are the people of God are like newborn infants who are deciding the the genuine, pure milk of the word. And so the message is to all of the people of God who are under the care and oversight of those who are called into the leadership of the church. And likewise, if the elders, if they have a duty and responsibility, so also the congregation, the people of God, have a responsibility to the elders. You who are younger, be subject to the elders. And submission and subjection is something that we have followed in this letter. We are to be subject to the authorities around us 
as far as we can do that under the word of God. We are to be subject in marriage, husband and wife. There are so many areas in life where there has to be that submission if life is going to continue in an organized and in a helpful way. It's taking your place in the order that God has established. And so Peter here is saying to the wider congregation of the people of God, you also now take your place under the order and the structure that God has placed in his church and do so by being subject to those who are the elders over you. And that means that there is to be a willingness to embrace the arrangement. There is to be a willingness and a desire to submit to the arrangement. And there is to be a recognition that because this arrangement is God's arrangement, that that's where benefit is to be found. And part of the background to what Peter is saying is is other parts of, of of the church where letters were being sent. And these letters were being sent because situations had arisen where those who belonged to the church of God, where they had revolted against the leadership of the church and the organization of the church. And because of that, they had affected the peace of the church. And the church was in disarray because the people who were going out on their own and doing their own thing were were creating havoc within the very church of the Lord Jesus. And Peter is, is reminding them that in this culture in which they live, in the sufferings that they endured because of the gospel, if they are going to survive, if they are going to be secure, they have to avoid that kind of response. And instead, they have to place themselves under the shepherding of the under-shepherds that Jesus has placed in his church in the world coming to follow them, coming to accept their admonitions, coming to accept their teaching, coming to accept the rebuke. It's accepting that the leadership in Christ's church that they are the under-shepherds under the chief shepherd who is the Lord Jesus, and therefore because of the authority that he has invested in them, that the people of God should submit to them. And for ourselves today and for the church at large, our security, our survival very often, and our safety as the people of God, depends upon us embracing the very structures that God has put in place for our good. Structures in his family, as, a, as the same way as we are structures in our own families. They are for our nurture, they are for our good, they are for our building up. And being part of the church of Jesus involves, includes, has at its very centre that sense of submission to the authority of the word of God and to the authority of Jesus himself. And today, if I'm struggling in my faith, 
Today, if, if I'm struggling because of the challenges of, of living a life of faith in the world, then I need to ensure that my reaction to that is one that brings me right in under the structures that Jesus has put in place for my good and not making a decision that takes me away from there. Then the risks are great. My safety and your safety today as the children of God is found in willing submission to the structures of God. I mentioned for the children's address about shepherding. Just to illustrate this point, as far as shepherding goes, my son Grim purchased some sheep from Tulstahulish. They were in the flock, in his flock. They had the same marks, they had the same tags, they were part of the flock. But when the shepherd goes to feed the sheep, the sheep come running to the shepherd, but the tallest of the sheep run in the opposite direction. They were with the flock. They weren't really integrated in the flock, or they were living with the flock. When it came to shepherding, they went in the opposite direction. And we, as the, as the children of God, have to ensure that our participation, our inclusion, our integration into the church of Jesus brings us to the place where we are always under the authority of the word of God. And that means coming to be fed by the word of God, coming to be guided by the word of God, coming to be admonished by the word of God, corrected by the word of whatever it takes, that there is that sense of submission. And for that to work, Peter makes it clear that there is one thing that is necessary for the whole congregation of the people of God, and that is that each one is to clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. And here is an activity where where Jesus, where Peter is, is alluding to what he saw Jesus do. And what did he see Jesus do? In the upper room, when Jesus was on the way to the cross, and he's sitting down with him, preparing for supper. And they're all sitting around, and not one of them is willing to wash the other's feet, which was part of the culture when one came to sit for supper. What do we see happening? Jesus stands up. He takes off his outer garment. He ties a towel around himself and he proceeds to wash their feet. Clothe yourselves with humility. The command to clothe yourselves is taking the slave's apron tying it around the waist and taking up the duties and the responsibility of the slave in the household. Clothe yourselves. And by the very command, it's a command that that suggests to us quite clearly that this is something visible. I put on my clothes and that's 
how I'm perceived. I, I'm visible by the very clothes that I wear. We, we look at each other and we have dressed up to come to the Lord's house today in different ways. We are here. We have clothed ourselves. And Peter is saying to them that each one of them must clothe themselves with humility. And the simple definition of humility given by Paul in Philippians 2 is don't just think about your own things, but think of the things of others also. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who thought not of himself, but who humbled himself and thought of others. And it's so critical and crucial to, for this responsibility and for this duty to work and for our security that all of us together take the cords of humility and bind them around ourselves so that you are saying the next person is more important. So that I'm saying you're more important than me. It's counting everyone else better. And the one thing, or one of the things that that will, that will be the fruit of that is that I will change from being a fault finder to being a person who is prepared and ready to build up and to restore and to repair the responsibility. All of you be clothed with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And for our mutual encouragement as well as for our security and safety as the people of God who have faith in the Lord Jesus. Let's ensure that we know the organization of Christ Church and that we have the humility to recognize that we need the other person to help us along and to encourage us and to correct us and to build us up in the faith, the responsibility Secondly, we see in the passage that there is a response to what's happening on the outside. We have a responsibility to each other, but there is a response to suffering. In verse 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. The mighty hand of God. In Psalm 118, we read about the way in which the right hand of the Lord has, has done wonderful and powerful things. And when we read the Old Testament, we see that the mighty hand of God shines through in two particular ways. It shines through, first of all, when you read in Exodus 15 that with a mighty right hand that God rescued his people out of Egypt. In other words, the mighty hand of God is the mighty hand of God in our salvation. And we are here under the gospel today and the mighty hand of God is seen in the cross of Jesus and especially in the resurrection of Jesus. But the second way in which we have the mighty hand of God, and we see that in Job chapter 30, that the mighty hand of God is the hand of God that comes with suffering into our lives. 
We don't know why, but God comes with his mighty hand so that we suffer. And we read that chapter, and Job was tossed about in the storm. He was thrown about by the wind. He didn't know what was happening to him. The mighty hand of God was upon him. And that's the general theme of this whole letter, that as the child of God, I know, expect two things, the loving grace of God that comes to me in salvation, the suffering that accompanies faith, they come together, the mighty hand of God. And with regard to that mighty hand, humble yourselves. We are back to humility. But this humility is one that is the product of the grace of God. It's the humility that Sephaniah speaks of, or the Lord speaks of in Sephaniah chapter 3, where God will leave in the midst of you a people who are humble and lowly. And the lowly and humble people, they will seek refuge in the name of the Lord. He will be their God and they shall be his people. It's a humility that is the product of the grace of God. I see us as the same thing that the Lord has comforted his people in chapter 49. And in comforting them, he has compassion on the afflicted ones, those who are laid down low. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. What is Peter saying? He is saying, prove the genuineness of your faith in your response to salvation and the grace of God and prove the genuineness of your faith in your response to what you suffer for your faith. And and if they do so, they will discover the very things that perhaps they are missing and that are absent. They, They will lose the very blessing of God which is the means of their strength. And in his providence, God places certain things, and if, if I'm going to turn away from, from the very things that God has put in place, then I'm turning away from his path and the means that he has appointed for my encouragement and for my blessing. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. And I was going to say, It is so easy to humble ourselves under the hand of God's salvation. But sometimes it's not. And sometimes we we see difficulties that are not there. We see obstacles and mountains to our coming to the salvation that we have in the gospel that simply don't exist only in our minds. But it should be easy the easiest thing in the world to see the glory of the grace of God and Jesus Christ in the gospel and to humble ourselves gladly, place ourselves under that hand. But it is always difficult. 
to do so, to embrace the things that we think are against us, the things that are not for our good, to embrace the pain. We're looking for the power of God, but we don't want to embrace the pain. And we don't realize that the power comes through embracing the pain and through following the path of pain that God has appointed so that we may at last experience this transition, not only at the end of time, but in our daily experience, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. We want to be lifted up. We want to enjoy our salvation. We want to have that, that sense of walking in the power and in the grace and in the strength that God gives to us in the gospel. And here we have the promise that that will happen so that if we do this, then we will be exalted. And especially at the proper time is the time at which Jesus will return, the end of time. But surely it can also include the proper time of God. Maybe the day is the proper time. When, when for you, the very thing that you thought was your obstacle is the very thing that's the doorway and the stepping stone to having your feet placed on the rock which is Christ and to, to sense the security of standing there and to looking around and to looking back and to see that the thing that you thought was there has vanished, it's, it's invisible, it was nowhere but in your actual mind. The response. What is your response to God's salvation freely offered? The children of God are like newborn infants looking for the pure word of God. What is your response to the pains and sorrows of life? They are so connected to your faith and so mingled into the way in which God works. What is your response to that? When the pain comes, do we turn away from, the, from God's appointed path? Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. And thirdly, there is reliance. What do I do in the midst of all of this? What are Peter's readers going to do? As they are humbling themselves, they're casting all their anxieties on him. Peter is encouraging them, but he is also a realist. He knows that pain and suffering bring anxiety. We wouldn't be human if they didn't do that. And he is recognizing here that there are anxieties that fill up their lives and that confront them in their day-to-day -day living. And anxieties are the kind of things that simply bring about 
disruption. They, they turn our, our thinking upside down. And perhaps one of the, the basic things that anxieties will do for us and harm us is that they will bring to an end temporarily, bring to an end our communication with God. It's a fault in the system. It's this pain that shouldn't be there. And my natural response to that is to fill up my mind with, with what this means and how this is impacting upon me personally without any thought of, of what God is doing. It brings about that disruption. And Jesus in the, the parable of, of the sower in, in Matthew 13 speaks about the seed that is sown among thorns. And of course, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches, these are the things that choke the word. The cares of this world, the cares of life, the cares of living. If we let them, they will strangle us in our faith. They will strangle our communication with God. They will strangle the life and the energy out of our Christian experience. And what should they do? They should rely upon God. Casting all your cares, your anxieties on him. Taking the heavy weight and throwing it onto someone else. And knowing that when, when I do that to the someone else, that someone else is not going to crumble under the weight as I am crumbling under it. It's throwing the whole weight that is about to crush me and throwing it onto the, the shoulders or throwing it into the arms of the one who cares for me. And it's so simple that we simply overlook it. It's such the natural response of faith that because the anxiety has strangled our faith, we don't rely upon God. And we let ourselves be crushed. And we have been there in some way or other. That's life. Something in your life and in my life will have come at least once in our lifetime and we feel that we're going to be crushed by the very weight of it. And there seems to be no escape from it. And here is the lifeline. In our prayers to, to cast our cares on God, on the God who, who so cares for us. We saw the I read the story of the disciples in the boat with the Lord Jesus. Do you not care that we are perishing? What a question to ask. The Jesus who has demonstrated his power, they have seen his miracles, they have listened to his teaching, and a storm in a lake causes them to question the care of the eternal almighty son of God who is walking with them 
and who is in the boat with them. Do you not care that we are perishing? And I suggest to you that there are times when, though we may not use the same words, these words reflect our thinking that we are saying to God, do you not care that we are perishing? That we are questioning the interest of Jesus and our salvation. Do you not care that we are perishing? And of course, Jesus demonstrates his power. The wind ceases. There is a great calm. Why were you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? It's the reliance of faith. And today as we close, let's think of, of our responsibility. Let's think of our response to what's happening in our lives. And let's remember this, this keystone of our experience as the people of God. Let's rely on God. Let's believe that God cares. It's believing the simple thing. And Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he, he expands on that in, in, in chapter number 6. Don't be anxious about your life. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And there's the summary statement. Of course she cares. Because you are of more value than they, and you are valuable in him. And don't let us ever ask the question of God, do you not care what we are suffering? But let's do the faith thing, and let's take your burden that he will welcomely receive, and let's experience the strength and the freedom that comes from knowing that he bears our burdens for us and that he leads us along the way. May God bless his word to us. Let us pray. Most gracious God, we do rejoice in you as our God. We recognize, at least in some measure, what you require of us. Help us together to strive after these things that are precious to you and that are precious to your people and that are so necessary for our lives together in the world as the people of God. And help us to be humble before you. Help us to rely upon you and give to us the strength and the grace day by day to continue to look to you and save us from at any time feeling that we are crushed Uh, beyond relief, but give us all us to know that you are the God whose eye is upon us and that we are indeed precious in your sight. Hear our prayer and accept us for Jesus' sake. Amen. Clothing Psalm is Psalm 107 in the Scottish Psalter. At verse number 27 down to verse 31.
Psalm 107 at verse 27, perhaps some of the most beautiful words in the Scottish Psalter in the, in the Psalms. They reel and stagger like one drunk, and there would end they be. Then they to God in trouble cry, who them from straits doth free. From verse 27 to verse 31, to God's praise. Stand for the benediction. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. Amen.